Hello and welcome to the Adventure Game Club podcast. Today we are talking about Realms of the Haunting, a game released in 1997 by Gremlin Interactive. It was our game for November last year. Uh, with me today are Damiano. Hello. And, and Richard, who goes by Pix in the Discord. Hello. Hey. So this was a pretty new experience for me. I've played the game before, but it sounds like but I never finished it um, until just now. But uh, it sounds like both of you had played the game before. Yep. Uh, what were your first experiences with this? Um, I think my original experience was back in the day. Uh, I, I don't remember if I... I probably had just a demo because I'm, I'm 100% sure I never got a copy of it at the time. And it never even appeared in the, you know, the classic uh, pirate CD that uh, were pretty big in Europe at the time. We're talking about the Twilight CDs. I don't remember having it on the on there as well. So, yeah, probably I just stuck to the demo. And I liked it. I remember liking it a lot. <clears throat> uh, to this day, I think the probably the first few hours are those that really hook you in. To the game so in that way for me that the demo worked pretty well in picking my curiosity making me think uh you know then i would like to play this but uh, yeah somehow i never got the uh, the possibility until uh, yeah definitely several years later i mean i got a got a copy also of course later so i have an original copy now so you know uh, if there's any police listening don't worry i bought it <laughs> And, um, but yeah, I didn't finish it until I think it was the end of 2019. So definitely several years later. <clears throat> and it was definitely an experience. I mean, going from my few memories of the demo uh, to the full game. Yeah, the full game goes to, you know, great lengths to make you, yeah, rethink a bit what you're doing with your life. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think overall it was a, an interesting experience. Yes, I would say so. Yeah, I, I I bought this back just, just straight after it came out. I think it got some. I think it got ninety odd percent in the mag, whatever magazine I was buying at the time. So I think I finished. I played through it a bunch of times. It's kind of like a lot of my favourite things in one. So you got your adventure games, first person shooter, a bit of horror, lots of FMV. It's kind of all the things I liked all in one game. So I, I played through it a bunch of times back then. But I hadn't been back for about 20 years or so before this. All right. So I guess we should talk about what the gameplay is actually like. Uh, you mentioned before that it's a combination of a bunch of genres, like first-person shooter and an adventure game, and it's got bits mm -hmm. of FMV in it. Uh, so I guess... Yeah, I guess, how would you describe this? So it really is just like a first-person adventure game, but then you, as you wander around this house, um, you stumble across monsters and you just shoot them like in any other first-person shooter? Yeah, I think that's a basic idea. That's, uh, <laughs> I think it's more or less the evolution of what Gremlin did with uh, with normality, but more with a action uh, gameplay twist on it. And uh, 
I think the most difficult thing to do for them was trying to figure out how to do inventory that makes sense for both adventure game and uh, kind of a first-person shooter kind of game. And yeah, I think the model, I mean, it works. It's not the best system because the, the game uses, uh, to do both uh, genres, it uses what, you know, what I call the hands system. So basically you're mm-hmm. holding... Uh, something in, in your hand, make that uh, a weapon in your left hand and an item in your right hand. But you can't, I mean, it's a hand system, but you can't select which hand is holding what. So it's it comes, to, it's got to be confusing for me to understand how you can, yeah, use the item that you're holding in one hand and then use the weapon in the other hand. I mean, the weapon is normally used uh, automatically, but uh, yeah, it's it's a bit confusing. They should have made something uh, that works a little bit better. For example, I mean, the obvious thing, you can hold a sword and a shield. You can hold a shield or you can hold a sword. And there's no explanation for it because <laughs> you're holding the sword with just one hand. So you could hold the, uh, the mm-hmm. shield, uh, sorry, the sword with one hand. So you could hold the shield with the other, I guess. Uh, but either so, either the shield is huge, so you can hold it with just one hand, which would make for quite the poor shield, I guess. Uh, or yeah, there's something strange in the design, and I would guess there's something strange with the design. Uh, but uh, yeah, overall, I think it works. I think the worst thing they did in the design, one thing that reading back to what I wrote is bringing back some like uh, Vietnam uh, almost kind of traumas uh, in, from the past is the the map system <laughs> the map system mm-hmm. you you can't i mean there's no auto map so unfortunately they didn't pick that up from uh, first person shooters unfortunately and uh, you have to uh, en- enter the inventory each time you want to check a map which you say sure that works that might work but unfortunately to read a map you use a very small window in the game and for some reason you can't resize it you can't put it full screen you can't do anything so you're looking like, uh, imagine that you're looking at a map and you're looking at a map from just a little small portion of your screen. And it makes for quite the frustrating experience if you, you know, because Realms of the Hunting has a lot of also of uh, uh, mazes, labyrinths, stuff you gotta anyway look at if you want to find out clues and stuff to solve puzzles. So yeah, I would say the biggest issue in mixing two genres here is not the gameplay per se i think that works okay most of the time i think that most of the issues are in the interface but maybe that's just me i don't know yeah it is quite fun to throw mazes at you it's it's an interesting design mechanic to sort of give you a map of every maze before you go in it i have to say but it's almost like sort of acknowledging that people they were frustrating otherwise i think it's also the, the size of these windows. I think it's because you, you got a choice of resolution. So I think mm-hmm. I was finding it like you get a lot of letters you can read. Yeah. And the windows, the windows so small. You try it on a real CRT monitor, you can hardly <laughs> even read these things. <laughs> yeah, so, I had a hard time. There's so many, and I the, it probably would have helped with the plot if I actually read them. But it was just so difficult to read some of these letters that I yeah. ended up just skipping a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. Also, for some reason, they went for realism in the letters, which mm-hmm. probably one of the worst ideas in in you know in a design of an adventure ever. 
and that they're actually hard to read, like the ink, ink has faded, or, you know, there's a kind of, anyways, like calligraphy, so you have to also decide. So basically, if you picture accessibility in a video game, this is the exact opposite. This is making it as hard as possible to do the simple things like reading something. Even if, even if you have no problems, you know, with your eyesight, you're still going to have a hard time. So. Well, yeah. That's great. <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure when I played this back in the 90s, I used to swap to like 320 by 200 so I could read the letters and then swap to SVGA <laughs> again. Yeah. That's not a good time. That's not no, a good time. No, it doesn't no. sound like a good time. <laughs> But like weird interface quirks aside, it's the gameplay is pretty straightforward. You just yep walk around, you shoot things. It feels fine. Like maybe not as tight as something like Quake, but it's still pretty. I thought it was pretty serviceable to me. Um, and the puzzles weren't too difficult. It kind of gives you an option. That I don't think mm-hmm. it makes it that obvious, but like there's an option to, I think by default, it kind of makes the puzzles a little easier where it will just use an item if you have it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's more like a traditional adventure game where you have to have it equipped. Yeah. I mean, the puzzles, I think, overall are okay. They work. They're not moon logic puzzles, uh, crazy well, things. Well, there's a few. <laughs> Yeah. shouldn't go into specifics i guess but yeah there's a few yeah you're right there's a few but overall they're not that bad i mean for especially for a, a developer which wasn't really you know had a huge experience in adventure games i don't remember the puzzles in normality at all but i'm pretty sure they were pretty crazy uh but uh yeah overall not i would say they're not bad uh i i think the main problem with the mechanics uh for first mechanics is that they also added some platform platformer like mechanics and those probably better left uh off the game they were probably they would have been better to do something else because those uh don't really i mean we know that it's difficult to do first person platforming there's been a few attempts which like i always say montezuma's return which was released around this time i think maybe 98 99 98 something like that now, maybe I'll be a little bit later, but okay, whatever. Uh, that works. I think I remember that working pretty well. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it's more an exception than, than a rule. Most of the time you try to do platforming in first person, it doesn't work at all. So yeah, Rizzo the Hunting pretty much fits there. But everything else, is, I think, is serviceable. The Yeah, the first person mechanics work. The shooting, it's fine. It's not fantastic. I mean, it, this is not going for like um, uh, blood or... Even, you know, Doom kind of uh, intriguing uh, mechanics of uh, first-person shooting. So you haven't got, like, fantastic weapons or, I don't know, crunchy sound effects. So this is more like an an average experience for a first-person shooter. But it works. It's fine. So, yeah, overall, the first-person mechanics are, I would say, they're pretty okay. They they still work, even all those years later, which is more than we could say for other games. Yeah, it's, it's quite old school in the controls. I don't know if it's been modded or not, but it's it's yeah. very much you're playing with a keyboard. So if you, didn't, yeah. if you didn't grow up with that, you might struggle, I'm thinking. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. The, uh, I think I used the patch, which allows you to use uh, VASD and mouse, which is uh, fine. So Oh, it, really? I, it, I didn't the, wish... Yeah, if there's someone out there who wants to, work, uh, who wants to play it, 
Definitely get the patch. Definitely get the patch which allows you to use mouse look and BASD. That that improves things a lot. Yes. <laughs> I wish I knew that. I don't think I... I don't know why. I didn't even think to look for a patch, but I just played it the way the game shipped. It's mentioned uh, right at the end of my article. See, that's... that's I read it, too. I clearly <laughs> oh, did no! not. <laughs> I, or did I... No, wait, did I... I think I maybe... Maybe I read it or like part of it and then I saw the because you don't really even spoil the game, but I think I was like avoiding reading it until later, but I still somehow <laughs> no, I mean you're right. I should have probably mentioned it earlier, not right at the end of the of the post. That's also true. But uh, yeah, this is kind of an old article, so I was still uh, really into like blogging, so it's more of a Oh, I just finished this game after hours of a yeah, for, for kind of frustration, so let me just write about it. So uh, yeah, but that's what happens. Yeah, we'll make sure we link to that in the show notes. But it seems like overall, you're happy with the game. You know, like works or like at least think it's interesting. Um, yeah, it's a bit odd, isn't it? And some, some of the the weapons in the first person shooter, but you've got all these. It's, you start off with sort of fairly conventional things, but you get all these magical weapons after a bit that all charge over time. They're all kind of like behave yeah. the same way. You end up having to swap between each one while they're powering up. It's quite unusual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there an easier way to swap between? I, I should have asked this while I was playing, but what <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. Kept, I kept opening up the inventory and just swapping oh, them. Oh, no. Oh, no. no. Well, I, are... I, I can I see why that would wind you. Yeah. <laughs> if you're the first five or six slots, you just put them in and you can use the number keys to swap yeah. between oh, whatever's okay. in those. So. Yeah, always read the manual with old DOS games, I think. It's a moral way. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of reading involved. So that, that, that's why I'm punishing myself going on Twitch, streaming old games and not reading the manuals before I start. That's that's the <laughs> best kind of punishment you could find. Also for the viewers. So yeah, I usually apologize. Um, but uh, I mean, overall, I'm, I'm happy. Uh, having finished it all these years later, uh, but there's a couple of sections which really, really are still really traumatic when I think <laughs> back to them. Uh, uh, so I'm not not going to spoil anything, but there's a section when you have to find uh, 16 brains to put into a machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. not really a spoiler because I don't think these are basically nothing to do with the plot at all. Uh, and that's uh, you're basically just stuck into a labyrinth, which is not a huge labyrinth, okay, granted, but yes. you still have to look into each nook and cranny to find those damn brains. And I also read some people got stuck forever because I don't know if it's bugged or what, but they couldn't find all 16 of them. But that was a miserable time. There's a, I think there's another section a bit like this, but... The brains machine probably takes the cake from yes. the worst section that I can remember in realms of the hunting, and it, yeah. and it's sad because it again it doesn't add anything. <laughs> it's <laughs> probably just put there because someone said, "Oh, this is not long enough. Put something in there," and it was already long enough. I think. I mean, it's fifteen hours, twenty hours, depending on how much you get stuck on puzzles and stuff. So I think it's fine length, even for the time, it's pretty fine. It, today's fine as well. So. Yeah, the section I would probably just delete it altogether, also from my memory. Uh, but yeah, overall, uh, I'm glad I played it. I mean, I wanted to find out what was behind Realms of the Hunting, and I'm also happy to say, I mean, 
I wouldn't say happy to say, but uh, I agree with myself, let's say, um, that uh, back in the day I thought, oh, these uh, sections into the mansion are pretty cool. I hope the whole game is like this. And of course, the whole game is not like that. But I still think today that <laughs> the section, which then it opens up a bit later, but the mansion sections are still the best in the in the game. I mean, it opens up incredibly after that. There's a few sections which are pretty cool, honestly. But I think if they just kept it like old mansion horror, like 80s vibe, like, you know, old creaky house with uh, strange monsters in it, that would probably have worked a little bit better. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. The, the early sections of the game are the, probably the best. The, the bit in the church, there's a bit in the church which is sort of has a similar vibe. But mm-hmm. the, the plot just get, the plot gets quite wild, shall we say. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's why... Like, I remember playing the game before but not finishing it, but having come away with a pretty, with a pretty positive opinion at the time. Um, just because the mansion parts are the strongest, but I feel like later on, there's some visually interesting stuff later on as well, even if mm-hmm. parts of the game maybe go on too long. And I feel like I lucked out with the brain part because somehow I cleared that really quickly and it was so nice h- hyped up and it's like awfulness that I was like, once I got to it, I was like, oh, this is not <laughs> as bad as I expected because I had a harder time with someone like the hedge maze. And some things like that. Yeah, that's also pretty bad. Yes, that, that's the other section I was thinking about. Yeah. Uh, yes, I mean, I mean overall, overall, we could say that the most interesting thing today about Realms of the Hunting is how it opens up after the mansion because, it again, it goes into some really wild places. But it's probably also its weakest part still today i mean it's because it goes a little bit too wild a little bit too far from where it started off so yeah i could i could see how it could put some people off you know people are expecting something else from the first couple of hours but that then it goes into strange this distant realms which you know it's in the title (laughs) so i could say hey it's in the title of course i don't know maybe it goes a little bit too far Uh, yeah like you mentioned the plot uh I'm trying to remember the plot now and I kind of remember bits and pieces, but it's just very <laughs> all over the place for me. Yes. Um, yeah. Because it starts yes. off with you trying to save the ghost of your father. This is not a spoiler. This comes up at the very beginning of the game, but, mm. um, and then it just, I don't even know how I would describe the rest of the plot because it's just so well, you, you and the guys who wrote it I think to be honest but <laughs> it's, I, was, I was trying to write down some notes on it and trying to make sense of it it's quite tricky isn't it yeah yeah and uh, there's a strange bit in the middle when there's a very long cut scene because we haven't mentioned yet that there's you know real actors FMV and stuff uh, but yeah there's a strange middle game cut scene that like does a like a strange recap of the plot like it explains everything that's happened before and all of the explanation and then after that i think the plot just gives up i think that's just like the high point of the story uh like did this still made sense until then and then after that i completely lost the plot i don't know what happened after that it, it's like you know it, it's like they gave up 
the, the writers gave up as well. It's like, okay, we, we made sense until then. Let's recap and then let's go home. So everything else after that is just <laughs> a confusing mess of stuff that I don't know. I, I don't recall at all. I remember the plot until the mid bit, the cutscene, the long cutscene. After that, no idea, frankly. I read somewhere that they filmed like seven and a half hours of video for this. Oh. Only about a third of that made its way into the game. Oh, really? I don't know if this is true or not. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. So maybe the, maybe we need some directors <laughs> cut with the extra five hours. I don't know. Yes. With, a, with high quality FMVs uh, taken directly from the VHS. But I don't know. I, I don't know if someone still has that stuff. Probably not at this point. But you never know. Sometimes miracles happen. They recovered some of the original footage from uh, Phantasmagoria. Yeah. Puzzle I Flash. Said that. Just recently, so you know, you never know. It's probably impossible, but it, you never know. It could happen. But uh, yeah, since we're talking plot, very quickly, no spoilers. But uh, I think I, I don't. Whatever thing you're expecting from the ending, I think it's a letdown. There's mm-hmm. two endings. I don't know if you could call it two endings. But probably one and a half. Uh, but yeah, they both suck. So they're both pretty disappointing, <laughs> I would say. But okay, no. Uh, well, that's what happens with all those games a lot. So, yeah, yeah I was kind of let down because it's such a long game too. Uh, that mm-hmm. once you get it, like kind of wraps up really quickly, and then yeah, I guess there's a twist. I don't know what you would call, but it was I was not super satisfied by it. But I I think that if you're coming to this, I didn't really come to this game for the plot, which is maybe not <laughs> what you want to hear in an adventure game podcast but um i think the parts of it that are charming are kind of just the novelty of the hybrid because it's such a unique hybrid that i haven't really seen other games do this before um, yeah and i think the fmv is kind of fun too um it's i mean it's very mm-hmm. schlocky i guess but it, it, it's it's fun to w- watch for me it's all right it's got like a sort of old school doctor who vibe i yeah. thought <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I like that they went for our protagonist, uh, which now I'm missing the name. Adam? Adam? Uh, yeah, I think yeah. it's Adam, yes. Uh, Adam is like a dude bro, a bit. Uh-huh. Uh, it, 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 <laughs> it starts off that it seems to be, you know, an average guy, that then he goes way into like the dude bro uh, thing. I mean, not too far. I mean, it's not, uh, yeah, the, like uh, uh, 80s right, movie. Yeah too far but yeah it, it, i mean it's fun uh, they, they really uh, obviously got a limited budget for the fmb so you haven't got any known actors i don't think anyone from real zone of the has ever been in anything famous or like, anything the, the guy who played belial is uh has been in a couple of things uh he oh, was, okay. i don't know if you ever he was the voice of marvin the android if you've ever seen it Chikers oh. guide Oh, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. And he was in a series called Nightmare, a kids' TV series. When I, I think he was playing an elf in that when I was growing up. Okay. So a couple of minor things. I was mm. being put outside of the UK. Not many people would know who he was. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anyway, you got like a minor cast of uh, actors for sure, and no, no, no big names, but they all do a decent jobs. I think they're they're overall okay. We've seen worse for sure. Yeah, there's worse. I like. I don't think that, like Adam doesn't really have much to go on as like an actor. Like I know people were talking about like kind of 
I don't know making fun of his performance is the best way to phrase it, but like just but his character isn't like that deep anyway. So even for like mm-hmm. a professional actor, I don't like a if or an experienced actor, I don't think they would have much to work with. Anyway, yeah. it'd be tough to kind of make him really and a you know an interesting and deep character. So I I think he kind of does the best he can. Yeah, I think they. I think they're okay. I think it's Adams, the one who stands out the most. It's it's very it's very accepting of all these things, strange <laughs> things happening. Shall we say? Yeah, but yeah, they, they do a decent job. I've certainly seen worse than games of the era. Yeah, I yeah, I had fun mm-hmm. watching them. So yeah, and I think that they fit. They fit. We we can say that the best thing we can say about them is that they fit the game, the tone. And, uh, yeah, they do a decent job advancing the plot, at least making it, you know, it's still confusing, of course, but uh, still it's not as uh, boring as other, you know, uh, storytelling methods might might have been. So. Right. And I don't think the game ever takes itself too seriously. Mm, doesn't doesn't look like it. I mean, it's a serious game if you want to look at it that way, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the vibe that you're getting is not that serious. I mean, with, with that and being a dude, bro, and a little bit, the tiny bits and the, how wild it gets. I mean, the brain's machine alone is quite silly if you think about it. Uh, so, yeah, I would say the vibe overall is... Um, Fun, a, a little bit of fun, not not too much fun. I mean, we don't. Yeah, have it's definitely not like the way you get the sword. Well, I won't spoil it, but that was pretty nuts. <laughs> but then, so I was looking up the studio, and I was kind of surprised at how long they've been around. Yeah. So, Gremlin Interactive, it's a, it's a classic from Sheffield. At least originally, I don't know. Uh, by the time they were releasing Resident Evil Anthem, but yeah, they were originally from uh, from Sheffield. Yeah, I think they were still based. It's not so not that far from where I grew up. It's, uh, I think they started off with just a computer store with a load of kids turning up making games. Mm-hmm. In the during the time they could spend on the computers in the shop or whatever, and I think they started <laughs> selling them something like that. Anyway, back in the early eighties. Yeah, I saw because I was trying to see what else I played by them. I I think their most notable game I, it's kind of before my time, but like the Monty Mole series seems like their uh, biggest thing. I would say their biggest thing is probably Zool. I the guess. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean that that was you know the the answer to Sonic the Hedgehog, the big Amiga platformer that would come and revolutionize the genre, which of course it didn't because Zool is quite terrible. Okay. Uh, sorry, I mean, uh, <laughs> come on, let, let's let's look at how it is. And, I mean, the gameplay itself might be okay, but the level design is terrible. I mean, that, that was a big thing that they didn't pick from Sonic the Hedgehog. You know, they picked the speed, they look at it, and so, oh, yes, we have a, to do a platform with where the character speeds around the level. And that's it. They didn't pick out anything else from Sonic the Hedgehog. You know, the good level design, no, that's, that's something that they didn't want to do. So, yeah, I would say probably the biggest hit from the 90s would be Zool as well. I also played Utopia, which was an interesting um, strategy game, you know, kind of early, uh, bit of a populous vibe and that you were going to build this uh, little civilization, like civilization slash populous, a little uh, strange but interesting. Um, And also one, since we're talking adventure games, one adventure game from them that no one played, but the concept alone, I loved it and I also wrote about it. 
at Plan 9 from Outer Space, which okay. I think would be a great thing to do today with all the <laughs> modern technology we have, like make a game from a bad movie that's now in the public domain. But no one has done much um, of anything like that. I mean, I know there's a, like a, the Man of Sands of Fate NES platformer, any for NES platformer, but yeah, okay, yes, it's, that's fine. Uh, but yeah, it would be interesting to see like a real adventure game done from uh, like a notoriously bad movie. I mean, Plan 9 from Mother Space, the game is... Uh, was an interesting idea, but they, they really did the most, the least interesting thing with it. So, I mean, it's like the, the most you can say about it, uh, the best thing you can say about it is that it was a great idea. But the game itself is really average. It's like the most average adventure you can think of, which is strange from such a great concept. But yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry, I will sh- shut up about them. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's interesting, though. Is it, do you know what? So, what is. Really quickly, I guess, what is that game about then? Plan 9 from Other Space? Yeah, is it just like the movie? But in video no, 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 no. Um, it's kind of in the same universe in that uh, you're the you're a private investigator and you're tasked from the producer of the movie, of Plan 9, that uh, to recover the reels because the movie has been stolen. So the movie was completed and has been stolen apparently by the body double of Bela Lugosi in the movie, okay. so the dentist of the, <laughs> the dentist of, yeah, the, yeah. of the movie director. Um, so yeah, you're basically going around the world trying to get back uh, all the of the reels of the movie which were stolen. And the one one other great idea I think is that all of the cast in the of the game, probably not one hundred percent, but ninety percent of the game of the game cast is either uh, Lyle Talbot. Uh, or Vampira. What was it, Vampira? Yes. So basically, so the two of the actors of the movie are just do all of the characters in the game, which, <laughs> which is a kind of a nice reference to the way Ed Wood used to <laughs> used to work. It, that that's a great thing. But yeah, everything else about the gameplay is just uh, pretty pretty plain, plain, non-plain nine, but pretty plain. Is that just they're similar to other Gremlin adventures of the time? You just um, you just a, a list of verbs. You just use them on the very small window where you interact with. Uh, there's a few references to other Ed Wood uh, movies here and there, but yeah, overall it's uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit boring actually, it, which is okay. strange for something so so interesting. But unfortunately, yeah, that's how it went. Okay, yeah, I see they did a game called Motorhead, which is a racing game I played before and remember liking, but I guess. Uh-huh. Before this, so this uses the same engine as an adventure game they made before this called Normality. Yep. Which I haven't played, but it seems like it's another first-person adventure game, but not mm-hmm. a first-person shooter. No, no, no. It's a, it's an adventure game. Okay. No. Just uh, very traditional with puzzles. and it's, uh, Played it a bit. It's not, uh, it's not bad. It's got okay. an interesting vibe. I think it, you know, it would look like something like Jay Tholen from Hypnospace Outlaw would oh, okay. make at, at the time <laughs> if he had the if he had the resources and if, if it was old enough, of course, uh, in 1996. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I remember some of the puzzles were quite obtuse. So, but that that's just my recollection. So maybe I'm wrong. But yeah, I remember yeah, not I'll... getting very far. 
I played it years back. I can't remember the details, but yeah, it's definitely had some obscure puzzles. But yeah, it's quite a good game. It's sort of set in a sort of dystopian future. Mm-hmm. Lots, lots of regional North of England accents for all the actors if you're playing the UK version. <laughs> so I, I approve of that. I don't know why. I mean, I guess why, but like in the US, I guess they just at least partially re-recorded the voice I think acting. I they did a whole new voice cast for the yeah, US version, because yeah. I don't know why, but from of all the people they chose Corey Feldman to voice the main character. Huh. I, which is, which is uh, yeah, it's a, I don't know, because this was 96. It's not like he was, you know, a huge actor at the time mm-hmm. either. Wow, uh, yeah. He's probably uh, more who can we afford that people might have heard yeah. of sort of thing. <laughs> and I, I was looking, I guess Interplay published it in the US, so I'm sure that was their decision. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but it seems like Realms, when it came out, got good reviews. Uh, also, so, sorry, something else I wanted to mention about the, the dev team real quick is uh, Tony Crowther or Anthony Crowther. I don't know how you want to... How you want to name him? Uh, and he was a huge developer back in the early Commodore 64 day, days, like around 1993, 1984. He did a lot of stuff that I played as well, like William Wobbler, which is one of the big, uh, one of my huge trauma, childhood traumas for sure. <laughs> um, I mean, not because it's a bad game. I, don't, I mean, it probably is a bad game. I don't, I don't remember that much, but uh, yeah, it was really like. Uh, uh, scary. I don't know. I, I got scared to no end by the game. He also made Potty Pigeon or Percy the Potty Pigeon, the game where you control a pigeon and you go around and you drop um, little, you know, shits on cars. Okay. Um, yes, that's also one of my early trauma, childhood traumas as well, because mm-hmm. my mom tells me that I cried a lot when the pigeon died. I don't know why, because I played it and, and I was like, what's so traumatic about it? It just falls. Okay, I was a strange child, so it makes sense. I'm a strange adult. Um, but yeah, he made also quite other interesting games like um, Phobia on the Commodore 64, which was quite big, and Monty Mole, Son of Blagger. Yeah, he did a lot of stuff. Um, oh, he also made the Aztec 2 adventure. That was one of the first adventures I played. But okay, um, I think I read from one of his interviews that Runs of the Hunting was his big comeback to the game to game development because he had been absent for a while. I think he kind of fizzled out by the early 90s. And he also mentioned that it, they took like three years to make Realms of the Haunting from a same interview. So, yeah, it was quite a long uh, in development. So, oh, wow. I mean, for the time, three years, it was forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like imagining a game from 1997 against a game from 1994. They're quite different experiences. So, yeah. But yeah, I just wanted to mention it because Tony is uh, quite a huge name. Still working as well. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I can see. Well, you mentioned Nightmare. Someone mentioned uh, Richard. Uh, he looked. It looks like he worked on a Nightmare game in '91, early '90s. So maybe that's how mm-hmm. they got that voice actor. But um, yeah, I imagine it would take a while because they did, had to do all the FMV. They had to modify an engine to support first-person shooting and all that. So it just seems like it, was a, it would have been a big project. Yeah. But yeah, I, it seems like the reception of the game is interesting because it's so it reviewed very well, but maybe didn't sell great from what I saw. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not sure about the 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 sales, but I I can surely tell you that uh, it was and was not. I mean, you could call it not even call it a a cult classic. I mean, sometimes people refer to some games as cult classic, but I'm not sure that Realms of the Hunting maybe will become a cult classic. I'm not sure it is right now because I don't think still it's got that huge appreciation i don't know i'm not sure at least i could be wrong I mean, maybe <laughs> it is already a cult classic i don't know uh yeah it, it's more of a kind of a the, the obscure little thing that kremlin did right at the end of their period because i think they feel also fizzled out by the end of the 90s or in a couple of years they stopped making games around 1999 mm-hmm. probably um so yeah it's got that very interesting thing that um it was really received as an original concept. So, for example, I was reading back to one of the early reviews that where I first heard about the game and it praised it to high heaven, saying that it's one of the most original games ever created, but still uh, so closely linked to tradition. <laughs> so the, the review says, and it scored 92, which was pretty, yeah, pretty good. And I also read another review scored at 95. So, yeah, good. Really good reviews, but I guess either because it was too expensive. I surely can tell you that in Italy it was expensive. So that because, you know, if you got a game with more than one CD, that meant that it would be quite expensive. So we're talking around, I would say, almost 200 euros of today, more or less, to get an idea. So, yeah, it was quite the investment. Uh, maybe that that played a part in it. Um or maybe because, yeah, it was so different from everything else. It was a little bit strange. And also from Gremlin, which at the time was not a huge name anymore, like it used to be in the early 90s. So, yeah, I think all these things combined probably did not help the popularity of uh, Realms of the Hunting, I guess. But not sure, just hypothesis. Mm. All the reviews in the, that I saw in the UK were incredibly positive as well. I mean, Quite often when you look back at these sorts of mis- hidden games, there'll be some mammoth of a game that came out that same month, so I don't know if it got anything like that. It was certainly would have to have competed with the Christmas market anyway. Yeah. Well, I think uh, even at the time, so it uses lots of FMV, and I know that was kind of becoming, it had a kind of toxic association with it, even like regardless of the quality. <laughs> yeah, well, like the I, industry. I, I forgot this. Yeah, no, you're right. I always loved FMV in games. I and then all the magazines started slighting Same. it. But like, I yes. feel like, yeah, I feel like it was towards that time where people just did not want anything to do with it, you know, even when it was used well. But I can't really yeah, think we're, of it. we're moving towards like full 3D at the time as well, weren't we? So maybe this sort of two and a half D. I mean, it must have been a bit old school by the time this came out, I guess. I, yeah, maybe. Because the Quake was out. But yeah, yeah. it'd be a, a, year, a year earlier at least, I'd have thought. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, the industry was moving clearly towards polygonal graphics. Uh, for example, around that time, I think they also released uh, FIFA 97, which was the first polygonal uh, football game that Electronic Arts did. Um, but yeah, there were a lot of polygonal games also released that very same month. I was looking a bit at it. Uh, yeah, For example, around the same time, at least in Italy, they, they also released Sierra's Rama, 
which I don't know if you guys have played it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't know if Rama had, at least in Italy, more appeal than Realms of the Hunting, but, you know, the fact that it was by Sierra alone, you know, that already did a little bit of the marketing. Even though Rama did not get the same high praise as uh, yeah, Realms of the Hunting. Rama was, I'd have thought it was nearly as obscure, to be honest, apart from Among Us Adventure Gamers, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, I definitely agree. Uh, but yeah, for example, I was able to find a copy of uh, Rama in Italy, like a few years after it was released, no problem. Paid it like 10 euros, so it was uh, yeah, pretty cheap. But I never saw a copy of Realms of the Hunting again for example. So, you know, that tells you a bit. So either it sold very poorly or, yes, no, it, it didn't sell very well because we know that it didn't sell really well. So it was also, you know, not that uh, not that easy to find. Also the same year, you know, talking about obscure adventure games, they I also see Down in the Dumps. Wow, that's a, that's a trip <laughs> back. This I've never played. I know, I know how it looks, I know what it is, but yeah, I never played. Uh, but also, same, same year, say, sorry, same month, Tomb Raider, I see. So oh, that's uh, yeah. that's a heavy hitter. That's uh, you're not going against Tomb Raider at the time. So yeah, and it's kind of too bad because I think it's such a unique concept that I'm surprised it hasn't gotten any kind of spiritual sequel. True, from, true. Um, like there's that whole retro first-person shooter revival, and not that I'm expecting any indie developer to. Just, start filming fmv for their game but <laughs> like even i think the combination of adventure game and first person shooter elements is pretty novel and i don't think there's really been anything that's done that since then at least to this degree yeah yeah i'm i'm also surprised frankly i i think i mentioned this on twitter a while ago that no one picked up on the on the very same idea especially today that uh, you know mixing genres is yeah very much more accepted for sure than it was back in 1997 uh but yeah you, i can't really think of any any other games at least i took it to the to the extreme that realms of the hunting does that they really you know just alternates puzzled sections and first person shooter sections it's a shame because i think it, it you know done correctly it works it's interesting in, instead of doing, you know, action sequences in adventure games which are terrible and do not fit at all, like, you know, uh, quick time events, <laughs> stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather, you know, look at uh, a first-person shooter done decently, at least, you know, nothing special, but at least decent. And, yeah, I'd much rather play that than do quick time events or stuff like that. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, maybe a gap in the market for any any developers listening to this. <laughs> yeah, well, because there's been so many retro first-person shooters, but like, the, no one's really done anything like this yet, and I I guess I don't expect anyone to. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, like if you know, it's I think it'd be a novel thing to bring back. Oh well. Yeah, I mean. Uh, I think a couple of examples that show the potential of the idea, but just, yeah, they're, they're not the same thing. But, you know, the potential of the idea, for example, might be thinking about them like um, Call of Cthulhu, Dark Corners of the Earth, which has a bit of adventure game vibe. And also, sh- it's very much like a first-person 
intruder, more or less, even though you're the, the, yeah, the stealth elements and stuff. But it shows a little bit of the same potential as something like that done in modern times, even though, yeah, the game is already quite old, but okay. Um, and also, when I, another one that comes to mind is um, Escape from Butcher Bay, Chronicles of Riddick, oh, yeah. which is... Um, also has some kind of adventure section related small puzzles. Of course, there's no inventory puzzles or anything like that, but shows a little bit of the same ideas in the design, which which work. I mean, Skip from Butcher Bay is at least one of the best uh, tie-in games ever, which I know it's not saying much, but it's a good game on its own. So probably mm-hmm. has an age incredibly well, but I think it shows the potential of the, the idea of mixing up first-person shooter mechanics with uh, more adventure mechanics. So... Yes, developers, it works. Take notes, <laughs> do something. And also, when you do something, uh, please tag us in it so we know. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, was there anything else that people wanted to say about this game then? Uh, I think that's it. Uh, we even we, we mentioned the patch, so, you know, everyone out there wants to wants to play it. Uh, just, you know. Get the patch, so you get the mouse look and the easy, <laughs> easier controls. But yeah, uh, don't expect a great ending. Uh, but yeah, you know, anything else, uh, just explore to your heart's content. I think you'll have a good time. Yeah. So, would you both recommend this game then? Uh, to me, that's a yes. It's still a unique experience all those years later. So, why not? If you're interested in obscure little experiments that work and they're quite fun. Also, why not? Sure. Recommendation. Yeah, yeah I'd go with that. If You've got to like the constituent parts. Uh, if, you, if you're just into adventure games and hate your boomer shooters, then steer clear. But if, you, if you're if up for both, then yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think I was maybe less enthusiastic about the where I kept frustrated by the mazes and platforming. But even then, <laughs> like, the game is cheap. When it goes, like, it's, six dollars or something like that normally and when it's on sale it's like really cheap like less than a dollar so it's like even if you get like true a couple hours from it it's just i think that's worth it and it's so unique that i think it's still worth looking at yeah and it's it's a big game isn't it i mean it's it's even knowing what i was doing it was must have been well over 10 hours to finish it Mm -hmm. yeah you definitely get your your money's worth for sure too bad, uh, yeah, one, one thing that, that now I remember out of the blue that they, they didn't like feature a more interesting soundtrack because it just has old school MIDI mm-hmm. <laughs> soundtrack. Uh, kind of a shame, especially for 97, which, you know, you could have thought about doing a CD soundtrack, but yeah, probably that would, uh, yeah, that would have we, been. We had, we had four CDs already. We can live without more swapping, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but probably I guess the the CDs were already full with FMV, so I guess that would have been a little bit difficult. So too bad. But yeah, but yeah, you get definitely get your money's worth. Now yeah, when it's on sale, it's just a couple of bucks, really. So yeah, check it out. It's a, it's a great '90s experience for sure. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I think that wraps it up for this episode. Then I. Uh, this month, when this episode comes out, we will be playing Legend of Kyrandia by Westwood. Uh, and then, uh, I guess, where can people find both of you? Uh, Richard? Uh, not that many places. I'm on Mastodon at picks at dosgame.club. 
and hang, generally hanging around the DOS game club forums is probably about it for me. Okay. And Damiano? Uh, you can find me on, um, on yeah, my blog of gaming history and weird stuff is uh, genesistemple.com. You can find me on Twitter at DumbGenTemp, which I know is a little bit complicated, but I always forget to change the username. Probably never do it. Uh, also, Mastodon uh, at Damiano Gerli, which is even more complicated now that I think about it. <laughs> but yeah, at Damiano Gerli at Mastodon.social. You can find me always talking about strange stuff. Also stream on Twitch every once in a while, once a week at least, if I can find the time. Uh, it's always the Genesis Temple, just one single word on Twitch. You can find me there. Yeah, we'll link to everything. And yeah, you've been live translating games as well. That yeah. I never get to experience otherwise. Um, I like to punish myself. Yeah. Well, no, it, well, <laughs> it's, it's maybe more fun for the viewers then, but, um, but there, there, so. it's worth... They're, they're they're fun to watch. Okay, well, I think, and then you know, we'll have the links to everything in the show notes. Um, but yeah, I think that does it for this episode. Thanks for joining us. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.